On this episode, we're going to talk about interspersing periods of focused work with restorative rest. And this is a double win. You'll be increasing your efficiency and effectiveness at work while introducing meaningful rest to ensure that you remain healthy and not depleted. We are learning to incorporate and cycle focused work and meaningful rest as the second step in a three-pronged approach to turning burnout into resilience. Welcome to Not Your Mama's Midlife Podcast with Stephanie Lee. On this show, we're going to talk about what it means to be a late Gen X or early millennial woman dipping her toes into midlife. I'm talking specifically to the woman who sees this life stage as an opportunity to reflect on her life to date and to begin the second half with intentionality and purposefulness, whatever that may mean to her. Hello, and welcome to episode eight of Not Your Mama's Midlife Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie. And I really want to thank those of you that have rated and reviewed the show. I really, really appreciate it so much. And if you are enjoying this podcast and think that it would be beneficial to others, please do take a minute to rate or review it on Apple Podcasts. This is the way that others find out about it if they're not following me on social media. And since I've confessed that I've never reviewed podcasts before having my own, I told you I was going to go back and start reviewing and then let you know what I was reviewing. So this week I reviewed the Huberman Lab podcast, which I've referred to on this show at least a couple times, The Drive with Peter Atia, and The Whoop podcast. All three of these are health and science-minded podcasts. Huberman Lab focuses on bringing science to the public in an actionable way, You may remember he interviewed Aaliyah Crum regarding stress and mindset, as well as some stuff on hot and cold exposure, which I've mentioned before, and his shows on sleep are really excellent. Sleep is going to come up today for sure. Peter Atiyah's The Drive podcast is new to me, but he's focused on what he calls health span, which I think is closely related to what we're doing here. His focus as an MD is on longevity and living healthfully into the future, which for me is an important part of what I want in the second half of my life. And WHOOP is a wearable wearable that measures strain, physical as well as emotional and cognitive strain, actually, and rest and recovery. And for me, it's a way that I directly measure some of the things that we're going to talk about today in terms of my own cycles of stress and rest. The podcast is a great supplement to, to the device. That's the WHOOP podcast, and I've learned all sorts of things from it. So... I reviewed them all. I have done my part. So these podcasts are actually getting not only the rating and review, and also I'm talking about them on my show. So, you know, I do recommend all of them if you're into health and wellness, for sure. And if you would like to review this or other podcasts, I have a quick YouTube video on my site that will show you visually how to find, subscribe, and rate and review a podcast on Apple Podcasts. It is at stephanieleecoaching.com forward slash podcast. And of course, that link will be in the description of whatever podcast app you're listening to or on YouTube. So a little bit about what's going on with me. Like all of us, right? I have a hard time doing just one thing. I'm driving to work and I'm planning what I need to do first. 
run down the hall, put lunch in the fridge, touch base with my assistant, check in with the colleague next door, and then jump on a 10 o'clock Zoom. And then I'm driving home and I'm planning how I'm going to get a walk in, what we're going to eat for dinner, whether I need to record or maybe edit a podcast episode. And then when can I shower and go to bed? And of course, that's just when I'm driving. I've observed that I actually do this planning while working. What's the next thing I need to do? Or even while resting. What are all of the things that I need to do when I get up between here and going to bed? But now I think that I have added the podcast to my schedule and both my day job and working on the podcast are really immersive activities. I'm finding it maybe easier or it's less negotiable to focus my mind on just one thing at a time. It's interesting because I have wanted to do this historically to focus on just one thing at a time. And it's one of the things we're going to talk about today But with the addition of the podcast sort of into my responsibilities, it feels less like a desire and more like a necessity. I'm just simply doing more of one thing at a time. And here's one of those surprise but not a surprise things. It's far more pleasant. I enjoy whatever I'm doing more if it's what I'm focusing on. The sort of back and forth and multitasking and juggling feeling is less and less appealing to me. The other thing that I've noticed is that it allows things that seem like they would cause additional stress, like recording the podcast, to actually serve as an immersive experience and a way not of relaxing, but certainly of doing something else, even after an intense day at work that leaves me energized. I'm reminded of a podcast I listened to recently, and I did not review this one or mention it to you, but I'll find it, where an expert was interviewed and she was suggesting that a very effective way to manage stress is to engage in an immersive experience right after the stressful experience until your physiology gets back to normal. And it stuck with me because the immersive experience she recommended was playing Tetris. So you have a stressful experience and then you go play Tetris on your phone for 15 to 20 minutes until you're kind of back to normal. And then you can take appropriate steps to deal with the stressful experience. I did download Tetris to my phone, just FYI. At any rate, I'm enjoying focusing on one thing at a time. It feels like it's expanding my bandwidth in a way, but I feel calmer and more rested. So I'm going to continue to lean into this and see how it works for me. We talked about how we can change our mindsets about stress and about research that suggests that the deleterious effects of stress on our health come when we believe that stress has a negative impact on our health and that viewing stress as an enhancer and a catalyst for growth actually may be protective in some way. Because burnout, stress, and fatigue are such considerable barriers to so many of us figuring out what we want to do with the rest of our lives, much less moving on it. We're taking these first few episodes of Not Your Mama's Midlife Podcast to examine how to turn burnout into resilience. And we're doing that by changing the mindset we have about stress, beginning to see it through a lens where it is possibly an enhancer, by intentionally interspersing stress with rest and recovery, and by purposefully soaking in these experiences to leverage neuroplasticity. So this week, we're going to turn our focus to number two, intentionally interspersing stress with rest and recovery. Aliyah Crum, the Stanford psychologist I mentioned several times last week, she's the 
uh, stress and mindset researcher. She describes essentially two mindsets regarding stress. Stress is harmful. Stress is enhancing. And I've told you I find it particularly helpful to think about this stress is enhancing idea through the lens of weight training. You lift weights, you tear down, break down a muscle, and then you rest and your body rebuilds it stronger. Importantly, it requires both the tearing down of the muscle and the rest for the strength to occur. I mentioned to you also that Stuhlberg and Magnus in the book Peak Performance coined the phrase or the term growth equation, where growth equals stress plus rest. And they outlined the following steps to that growth equation. First, you isolate the muscle or the capability that you want to grow. Two, you stress it. Three, you rest and recover. Four, you repeat, stressing the capability a bit more than you did last time. So even for those of us that aren't athletes, it's pretty easy to see how this might work out in athletic training. If you're working to improve your 5K time, you can identify that as your goal, engage in training to increase your race pace, rest and recover between your trainings, and then repeat as your fitness increases. These authors cite the work of Mikhai Csikszentmihalyi, which I have probably just mispronounced, but I'm trying. It's the author that coined the term flow. I confess that I haven't read flow, his seminal work, but it's on my TBR because I do find all of this so very interesting. He found that creative geniuses alternate between total immersion in their work and periods of rest and restoration. Csikszentmihalyi described total immersion in their work as unremitting focus. But what does this look like for a knowledge worker? Which I assume is most of you. What does it look like for the burned out knowledge worker who wants to get out of burnout and develop more resilience? And here's another question. What is the burned out knowledge worker trying to grow? Think about this question for yourself. What is it that you would like to grow? I've talked about wanting to grow resilience. Resilience is the idea of returning back to baseline after something hard or challenging. So what does this look like to me in this context? It looks like the ability to engage in hard, rigorous, intense work, to be stressed, and then come back to myself relatively quickly, where I'm not recovering from the effects of stress quite that much. I know I've mentioned previously that I travel for work. Before I took this job, when I traveled, I would need to spend a lot of time thinking about what I needed to pack, right? So what do I need to take? I need to get it together. I need to fill the travel-sized toiletry bottles. And then it took a while when I got home, too, to sort of take it all apart and put it all away. When I began traveling for work, I knew that the travel piece wasn't negotiable. But all that time I was spending on the front end and the back end of packing and unpacking was negotiable. And it needed to go to sort of lessen the footprint, if you will, of the travel on the rest of my life. So now I've got a system and I've duplicated toiletries and my bag just stays partially packed. When I walk in the door from a trip, I can be unpacked, have everything put away and be in the shower which feels essential after any visit to the airport in less than 20 minutes. Basically, I want to do the same with stress. And for my purposes, the stress 
is focused work. I want to focus intently, which it turns out I enjoy, but even so is still tiring and depleting. And then I want to return home, back to home, back to sort of me, quickly thereafter. So I want to grow resilience. But I'm also interested in growing concentration and focus. We've all probably seen reports about how very distracted we are, how often we pick up our phones, our intolerance of boredom, the declining attention span, and no doubt we've all experienced it. So I want to grow concentration and focus. I also want to be efficient and effective with conducting my work, whatever that work might be, whether it's work on my day job, my podcast creation work, or other responsibilities and tasks that I have or assign myself in my own life. So I've talked about focus and concentration and being efficient and being effective because these are good for me, good for my well-being. And the reality is, too, is that these are transferable skills. So I'm talking about ways that I want to, quote, build resilience at work. But I believe that these skills will serve me in my personal life as well. And that's perhaps definitely the most important part of what I want to grow here. But I essentially have a training ground, and I can utilize my job for that. So all of this is good for my well-being. But the reality is, it's also going to improve the quality of my work. And because I believe what I do to be important work, the idea of improvement in quality is good for me as well as my organization. So while you're worrying that everything I suggest to you sounds good, but ultimately self-serving, I'm going to suggest that we can do more at higher levels of quality when we are focused and when we are rested. For more on this, I would refer you to Peak Performance, which I've mentioned, and then also Cal Newport's Deep Work. Newport describes the impact of multitasking this way. First, when we're multitasking, we feel in control. We feel like the task switching is actually working and that we are one of the statistical anomalies that can multitask effectively. Chances are you're not because we all feel like we are. When we go back and forth between tasks, and this is his language, we're drizzling the residue from one task to the other one. Our minds are still wrestling through the last unsolved problem. And now neither problem is getting our full attention. I notice this a lot if I'm checking email after hours, you know, one of those just sort of triaging, perhaps, right? And you get an email that isn't urgent, doesn't require an immediate response. And yet somehow my mind is off composing the response while I'm making dinner or headed into the shower. I don't love that. So I'm going to embrace a period of focused work. And I'm going to embrace periods of real rest. And I'm going to learn how to separate those things from one another. And therein lies the first hurdle. We are so accustomed to getting started working on a focused task and then three minutes later checking our email. Then we go back to the focused task and then another three minutes later we're picking up our phone to see who just texted And maybe we return to the focus task, or maybe we remember some other something that we were supposed to do, but we got derailed from for a little while. 
and then a coworker steps in or messages or calls and we chat with them for a bit, they leave and maybe we open up our phones just to see if there's any burning fires in our email and briefly check out our Facebook feed. And then whatever happened to the first task? And then your phone goes off with a timer because maybe you listened to my overview of this process a couple podcasts ago and you've decided you're going to commit to taking a break but you snooze the timer because you haven't been working consistently and you don't actually need a break. So that's where I'm going to suggest actually separating out the focused work from rest or breaks. And the rest and breaks need to be intentional and not just catching up on random things to come to your mind or sitting at your desk thinking about what a waste of time this is. And I'm going to predict that right now your mind is offering you all kinds of objections. My job doesn't work that way. My emails are urgent and I have to respond to them right away. Executives, C-suite officers don't take breaks. When one of my clients calls, I have to take the call right then. I would offer that the strategy of small wins that we've talked about previously, finding small adjustments, tweaks, or incremental changes is a great way to kind of get around those objections. For example, if closing Outlook or Gmail during your workday strikes you as completely impossible, try closing it for an hour to work on a particularly intensive task. Working in a truly focused fashion, even for seemingly short blocks of time, interspersed with purposeful rest, which we'll talk about in a minute, will allow you to accomplish more at higher quality, and I bet that you feel better doing it. Less mental strain, less of that distracted feeling, more satisfaction, including satisfaction with the quality of your work and a sense of accomplishment. So how do you engage in focused work? I'll offer some suggestions here but you are the expert on you and how you work best. So I would ask you that question as well. How can you buy yourself 30 minutes of focused work tomorrow? And we're going to rattle through some suggestions here. Turn off notifications on your phone and on your computer. A number one, right out of the gate. Even if you do leave your email open, you do not need it to ding every time that you receive one. And if your operating system is notifying you in the corner of all manner of shenanigans, be sure to turn that off. Talk to your IT folks if you need to. Each of these little sounds coming from our devices splits our attention. Another suggestion, set times during the day to address your email. If you feel like you need to respond to email at least every couple of hours, set a couple times during the day to process email. One of the worst things you can do, and I talked about this before, is scroll your phone for email emergencies and then leave all of those lingering messages open in your brain while you begin crafting responses back here while you're working on a focus task up here. Don't do that. Identify a time during the day or a few times during the week when you can engage in focused work. Select the most cognitively draining tasks that you engage in that require your focus, tell your assistant to hold your calls, turn off your notifications, and just work on those items. It'll be hard. And it doesn't have to be all of the time, but try it sometime. Batch similar tasks. 
even a lot of knowledge jobs are going to have some tasks that could be batched. So you can do a lot of a similar thing sort of all at once. Identify those and then schedule time to do them together. Gain some awareness of your mindset about focused work and not accepting interruptions. Do a thought download like we've talked about before to get a sense of what's really going on in your mind when you think about not accepting interruptions. Are you concerned that you're not going to look like a dedicated worker? That you aren't working as hard as the next guy or gal? Are you concerned that it doesn't line up with your boss's expectations? Like we did with your mindset about stress, take a look at these thoughts and decide which are serving you and which aren't. Just become aware of them and engage in a healthy skepticism. They're not something you necessarily need to even change out, but being aware of them is so powerful. Consider a work and rest timer, also called a Pomodoro timer. So here's an interesting tidbit. Most people, and you again are likely most people, can only truly focus for a max of 90 minutes at a time. Set a timer and expect yourself to focus during the time allotted. I use the flow timer, and I'll tell you a little bit about how I use it in case any of this is useful to you. It allows you to select the amount of time for flow when you're working, and then the amount of time for rest, and then to cycle them. So you might work 45 minutes, rest for five, and repeat three times before taking a 20-minute break. I can't just pick one time and go with that for an entire day. So I adjust the times all day long, every day, based on several factors. When I plan to have lunch or when I plan to finish work, my next meeting to allow for time between them, the nature of the task I'm working on, or how stressed and busy and focused I feel, depending on what's going on with me. So it's going to vary widely based on the day and what I have on my calendar and what I have on my plate. If I've got a day of writing or reading fairly technical and detailed reports, I'll schedule maybe 50 or 60 minute blocks with 10 minute breaks and then do three or four of those in a row before lunch and then do the same the second half of the day. If I've got a lot of little things to do, that's when I'm really prone to getting distracted, chasing a rabbit trail. I'll mentally batch those small tasks And then I might do just 20 or 30 minute flow segments with maybe just three minutes between, maybe five. And that tends to work for me and keep me really moving and focused. I've also found that I like to have a segment at the beginning of the day, most days of only 20 to 30 minutes, just to get oriented for the day, to catch up on yesterday, deal with any loose ends or things that on my desk that might need to be signed, maybe catch up with some email, respond to some things that need my attention first thing. Sometimes I put email in this segment, sometimes, especially if the inbox is pretty full and it's going to take its own 50-minute segment, I'll do that separately. I usually have at least two segments a day just for responding to emails, sometimes as many as four. If I'm feeling stressed or overwhelmed, I have actually found that the shorter segments work more effectively with little short breaks, and I find this very counterintuitive. I have all kinds of resistance to both the shorter segments and the little breaks. But when I'm having that scattered kind of overwhelmed feeling, how am I going to get it all done? I can find it much easier to focus for 20 to 30 minutes than for 50 to 90. 
Okay, so there's our stress part of our growth equation. What about the rest? I'm going to suggest that you think about rest in three intervals. During the day, as we've talked about, these little two, three minute, five minute, 10 minute rest periods. Daily, how you rest from stress or focused work on a daily basis. We're going to return to our now very tired athletic training metaphor. When an athlete is training, both novices, but even more so elite athletes, they see rest as at least as important as the exertion. It's a part of their training plan built in by their coaches because it's necessary for them to improve fitness, to be able to perform without injury, and to stay healthy. The same is true for knowledge workers. So you're going to plan for intentional breaks. And you are going to use them wisely in a way that actually replenishes you. The first step is to notice what resistance comes up at this suggestion. Plan them at no less than 90 minute intervals. And the objective is to step away mentally and physically from the task at hand. This is what will allow you to accrue benefits. If you take a break, but don't actually pull your mind away from the task, you won't get the benefits of the break. So what are some things that you might do, depending on the length of the break you've set for yourself? Take a two-minute walk down the hall to the water cooler, the restroom, or walk outside. Just two minutes of walking each hour can also help to mitigate the effects of sitting as much as we do. Another idea, put in your earbuds. I'm assuming you have an office door. Put in your earbuds and move, dance along, whatever, sway to a song in your office behind that closed door, a song or two, just something to get you moving. Do some desk yoga. I went to yoga over lunch break a couple of times several years ago, pre-pandemic, of course, and it happened to, just because of scheduling, be a yoga class for folks with limited mobility. And we did chair sun salutations. I've enjoyed them ever since. And it actually gets mobility back in my lower back, which I need. So it's an option. Just stand up and stretch for a little bit. Do a meditation or a breathing exercise. There are plenty of apps that have these for three, five minute intervals, whatever you need. Maybe you do chat with a colleague about personal things. Hopefully somebody who's also on a break. If you're working from home, you may have more options. Maybe your break is walking the dog, unloading the dishwasher, or loading the laundry. It's not glamorous, but it can be sort of immersive, and it gets your mind off the work task, and it helps you get something off of your home to-do list in a way that doesn't feel like a list of chores at the end of the day. Also, just petting or playing with your dog. Maybe talking to a friend or family member, making a brief call, or if they're in your home, talking to them. Things to keep in mind that are going to be good for these, these little breaks, for all of the breaks, truly, but these little breaks, get outside, get some movement, and get away from your desk. You're going to note that I didn't include scrolling or surfing the internet. Because again, we're looking at these breaks like part of our recovery, part of our training, right? Scrolling through your phone, it's not really restful in the way that we're looking for. 
All right, so let's move from these little tiny rest breaks to looking at daily rest. Again, so put on your athlete's lens. This isn't about indulgence. You are talking about something that's part of your training. I'm going to continue to say that. This is a part of what makes you show up your best in your core competencies at work. Be that work at a desk, at a job, for yourself, if you're an entrepreneur, whatever the task may be, however you show up. And it is about you building resilience and setting yourself up for the next half of your life. You're both recovering from the work that you've already done, and you're preparing yourself to show up effectively tomorrow. Your mind needs a real break from work. Step away from your email. And if you can't, what I would ask you to notice is this. What is the impact of those unresponded to emails on your sleep? on your time with your family, on your enjoyment of your own personal time. Could you decide on a time after which you don't check your email? Expect this to be hard. It will be very hard because part of it, yes, is that we feel like people need to be able to reach us, which that's a whole discussion. But part of it is also that it's a deeply ingrained habit from which we get a dopamine hit to check that phone. So this is going to be hard. So could you decide again on a time after which you don't check the email? My previous yoga studio, which I've talked about before on the show, wouldn't actually allow you to have your phone or your watch in the room. And I thought it was weird at first, but I loved it. Um, And right now there are very few places where I can't take a phone So I've gone to the sauna a couple of times lately, part of my rest and restore initiatives, and I don't take my phone in there. They let you, and they tell you you can. In fact, they provide their own iPad there, but I do not take my phone in. Um, So thinking about daily rest, the first and most important thing is for sure sleep, getting enough and getting high quality sleep. It's so easy for us to feel like the only time that we have to ourselves during the day might be late in the evening, but we're giving up sleep at a really high cost to ourselves. I may end up doing an episode on sleep in the future as it's just really so important. So think about things that you could do to improve the quality of your sleep. This is from Andrew Huberman. I've mentioned the Huberman Lab podcast several times. He has a very recent episode on sleep tools, which I absolutely recommend that you check out. It's very practical and actionable. He talks about measuring light and dark, as in getting out into the light first thing in the morning, getting into the light outside. Outside light is what I'm referring to in the evening. So you have that actual exposure onto your eyes of the light at the beginning of the end of the day. It's important for setting your circadian rhythms. And he talks about exposure to light during the night between the hours of like nine and four when you're sleeping and the impact that that has on our rest and on our circadian rhythms as well. Also, you want your bedroom to be cool. We actually want our bodies to cool off by a couple of degrees as we're going to sleep in order to stay asleep. Apparently, most of the waking up that we do in the middle of the night is because we've gotten warm, and that's part of our body's signal to wake up. Think, too, about what you're eating. 
how much you're eating, you know, going to bed on a full stomach just doesn't lead for most of us for good sleep. And um, alcohol as well. It actually disrupts your sleep in a pretty significant way, especially the more that you drink and the closer to bed. So those are things to consider as you're trying to capitalize on sleep and getting the most out of it. So how could you make small adjustments to improve your daily breaks, your evenings for most of us? And what could you do that would really enrich you? For me, I would probably be more active, get outside, take more walks, go to yoga. It would be about getting my body moving. And sometimes I know it feels like all you want to do is go like lay perhaps face down on the couch and watch Netflix. But how much better would you feel with a walk outside? We've talked about getting outside. I just can't stress enough how restorative it is for us to be outside in nature just for some time each day. All right, so let's talk about more significant breaks like weekends, vacations. Peak performance profiles a number of different athletes who take really significant periods off, like periods like weeks, perhaps a couple of months off from their sport each year, this really significant period of rest that they then attribute their success to. Think about some of the same questions that we asked ourselves about daily breaks. I don't actually see weekends or vacations all that differently than I do daily breaks and have many of the same recommendations, so I won't repeat them. But the benefit, of course, of weekends and vacations is that you have more options to take more time and go further away and maybe do some things that aren't available to you close to home. Give a nod to what is truly restorative to you. And if you don't know, just experiment with some things. What type of vacation would leave you feeling really refreshed? What type of activities could you engage in at home on the weekend that would allow your mind to refresh? Maybe it's working out, going to the sauna, getting a massage. When we think of vacation, we often think of taking a rest from our responsibilities, sleeping late, and a lot of times that includes skipping whatever we do for exercise. But what if we prioritize the things that really make us feel good? such as exercise, maybe. Maybe adding in some things that we like, like a physical activity, such as exercise that we don't often get to do because it's not available to us. What if on vacation we prioritized getting good sleep? How can you truly let your mind get away from your focused work while on the weekend or on vacation? That's a big question. Could you take an afternoon and turn off your phone over the weekend? Do you have some days that you schedule on vacation when you don't check your email? I mentioned earlier, some of us feel like we need to at least triage the email for emergencies while we're out of town. But what could you actually put in place to ensure that your responsibilities were covered? How could you maybe plan more effectively, use out of office, maybe even tag team with a colleague to cover for you? What creative solutions might we find if we believed that getting time away from our work would not only restore us personally, but have us showing up professionally as our best selves. One more item is simply considering how you use your vacation days. So many folks leave them on the table or have to use them at the end of the fiscal year because they aren't going to roll over. What if you decided to use your vacation days deliberately? 
if you don't use them for actual sort of like travel vacations for whatever reason, how could you allocate them in such a way as to use them when you need them most during the year? How could you build them in to offer yourself rest when you know you're going to need it and be the most tired? As we begin to wrap up, I want to ask, what would it take for you to prioritize your rest and recovery? It's been very evident to me in the preparation of this episode how quick I am to remind you that rest and recovery isn't just good for you, your well-being, your health, but it also makes you better at your work. We really do have an idea that taking care of ourselves is indulgent. But taking care of ourselves so we might show up as our best selves at work, that might be something that we can actually do. And because this podcast is about finding out and going after what you want for the second half of your life, I'm going to ask you how that sits with you. I hate to break it to you, but you are a non-renewable resource. What you do today to take care of yourself isn't indulgent. You're taking care of the most important resource that you have, your body, your mind. We can't push ourselves constantly without appropriate rest and expect to live long, healthy lives. Whether you're an employee or a business owner, we find it hard to consider rest as part of the equation of our growth and development, unless there is a clear payoff in terms of quality and productivity. But when you think about what you want for the second half of your life, you are laying the foundation for that right now. What would it look like today to prioritize your physical and mental health and well-being so that you can more fully enjoy the second half of your life. How can you get started today? From what I've shared with you today, what small adjustments might you make to the way that you work to devote more time to truly focused work? Perhaps an hour without look closed is a small win. Maybe scheduling a couple hours for focused work in a day and then turning off all of your notifications would be your small win. How could you incorporate deliberate restorative rest? Perhaps you stop checking your email after 8 p.m. Or maybe you commit to not working at a stretch of longer than 90 minutes. So I've been experimenting with this off and on, mostly with trying to find different ways to structure my daily work and to make it more efficient. So scheduling focus time, batching tasks, scheduling to-dos instead of just having a random list and continuing to make the decision about what to do next over and over. But lately, because of what I've been consuming for me and then creating in content for you, I've been redoubling my efforts to do this. And I've discovered or remembered how good it feels to get in the flow of focused work. It is so much better than dithering around in distracted, half-hearted work. Resting, especially taking brief breaks during the day, is freaking hard. There's always one more thing I should do. It's hard to walk away. It feels silly. But when I do walk away, literally, when I walk the dog around the block and realize that I have solved the problem I've been working on for an hour, I'm reminded, oh yeah, this is why this is important. And here's a bonus. I do find when I take regular breaks during the day to get out of my head, it's easier at the end of the day to come back to myself, to be present with my spouse and my life. It's much, much easier. Today, we've talked about using stress interspersed with periods of restorative rest 
to grow, to build resilience. We've talked about cycling from focused work to rest in the form of short breaks during the day, daily breaks from focused work, and how to best leverage your weekends and vacations for truly restorative rest. And we've discussed strategies for each of these. Join us for the concluding show in this series next week. So we have talked about how we're going to become aware of and change our mindset about stress, how we're going to intersperse stress or periods of focused work with deliberate rest and recovery. For the third step in our burnout to resilience plan, we're going to talk about how to purposefully soak in these experiences and leverage neuroplasticity. It's easy for us to try some new things, to deploy some new strategies, but we're often so detached from our present moment experience, we don't actually notice the difference it makes. So I'm going to introduce you to some strategies to take in the good, to soak it up a bit. And we're going to talk about how to do that with these periods of focused work and deliberate rest to get the best effect. So go to stephanieleecoaching.com forward slash episode eight and find not only the show notes for this episode, but also a worksheet with questions that you can use to apply this to your own life. That's stephanieleecoaching.com forward slash episode eight. And the link will be in the description of this show on whatever app you're listening to or watching on. Thank you for sticking with me through the eighth episode of Not Your Mama's Midlife Podcast. I do hope you will join me back here on your favorite podcast player or YouTube for our next episode. Wherever you listen, please do like and subscribe and share it with your friends. If you're really enjoying it, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps others find the show. Have a great week and I can't wait to chat with you again soon. Bye.